Welcome to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast, where we dive into your inner world to explore all of the psychological, emotional, energetic, and spiritual components that may be influencing your struggle with food and eating. I'm your host, Sarah Emily Spears, a trained psychotherapist and energy worker who recovered from my own eating disorder. And now I help women just like you do the inner work to address the real issues keeping you stuck in your problematic eating patterns. Because I assure you, your problem with food is about way more than food. So join me and guest experts as we discuss the psychology of eating and healing and empower you with tangible steps you can take today to begin to improve your relationship with food and yourself from a place of true nourishment and care. Amy Natalie is an empowerment coach and feminine embodiment guide with almost a decade of coaching experience. She specializes in helping women to emerge as the most authentic, confident, and successful version of themselves. Her mission is to reconnect women with their feminine energy and empower them to follow their soul calling. As a community leader, Amy creates space for like-minded women to come together for healing and connection. She currently serves clients through her one-on-one empowered feminine mentorship, her six-week online course, The Feminine Codes, and her six-month group coaching program, The Soul Calling Accelerator. Amy's also host of the Feminine Frequency Podcast, which has over 300,000 downloads, 225 plus episodes, and reaches women from all around the globe. Hey, Amy. Hey, Sarah. (laughs) I am so excited for this conversation for many reasons. One, you have a really exciting event coming up that I I will be a part of. So people who are tuning in will have an opportunity to experience both of our work in a few Mm -hmm. weeks, which is amazing. And two, you are like really emerging into this world of embodiment and feminine embodiment. And I'm so excited to explore this topic with you because I personally have been integrating more of this work into my own healing journey. And I'm realizing how powerful and important it is for women, wherever they are in their healing journey, to really look at this piece. It's often, Mm. you know, I think for many people, things start to come into place once they start to look at the embodiment work. So I'm excited to to really dive into this topic and, and hear about your own experience as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like a lot of women are really being drawn to more embodiment work. And I also feel like it is the feminine path to healing. I think a lot of the healing that we've done, which has been so important is more of what I call the masculine linear, logical thinking, analyzing kind of more of the psychotherapy and coaching realm, which is so potent and powerful and important, right? We have to have awareness and our bodies hold so much wisdom and information. And it's not enough to just cognitively understand these concepts. We have to embody the new identity and embody the new beliefs that we're stepping into and embody the new frequency and the new energy. I know you and I both talk a lot about energy and my podcast, the feminine frequency, you know, we're, we're kind of energy (laughs) obsessed with energy. I don't know. Energy freaks. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Kind of the world we live in. (laughs) It is, you know, just the foundation of all life. So kind of important. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, as you can tell, I'm super excited about this conversation too, and excited to bring more context to listeners who are on this journey and who like embodiment might feel like a stretch or it might feel far away, or they don't really get it yet. Maybe conceptually you might get it or you want to get it, but you don't get it. Like my intention today is for you to really get it. Exactly. Because even as we're talking and someone might be like, well, what does that actually mean? Embodiment? Like it can feel very vague. Mm-hmm. A lot of the terms in the healing world can feel vague until you actually like experience it. You know, I talk about emotional processing or energy work and you're like, what does that actually mean? And so, you know, ironically, we're going to be having a more uh, logical conversation today about these experiences that really are more experiential, which mm-hmm. is why, you know, coming to, to your live event would be a great opportunity for people to actually experience what we're going to be talking about. But mm-hmm. for you, how would you describe embodiment? Like, what does that really mean to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
it it's an evolution and my relationship to embodiment continues to evolve and change over time. But I think the practice of embodiment, because it is a practice, is to be deeply connected to the sensations in your body, to be deeply connected to your feeling body and energy body. And through that, it is a pathway to deeper connection with your authentic self because our mind has this construct of who we are. It has our programs, our patterns. And while those do live in our bodies too, when we're caught in the thinking mind, we often have limiting beliefs, thoughts, ideas of who we are. And we get stuck in that cycle of overthinking and overwhelm. And we're not always so deeply connected to the truth of who we are. And so I see embodiment as a pathway to truth, to pleasure, to sensation, to manifestation, like there's so many, to creativity, to intuition, like that's where embodiment leads or has led me to on my own journey. Yeah. And this is so important, especially for the women on this, you know, who listen to this podcast who are struggling with their relationship with food and their body, because, you know, this was for me and this, I see this pattern in so many of the women I work with, A, we're totally disconnected from our bodies, living mainly in our head, overanalyzing, what should I eat? How much should I eat? This is good. This is bad. Judging the body. And there's a total disconnect from, you know, living how we think we should according to food rules versus living actually in our bodies, aware of what's arising in our bodies and being able to sit with and feel our feelings instead of feeding our feelings and just going into the unconscious patterns of using food to try and numb or distract or avoid. And the other thing that you just pointed to around pleasure is also a really important piece too, because a lot of women with food use food as their only source of pleasure but ironically don't allow themselves to enjoy it. And so they're shaming themselves for getting pleasure from food, but they're not allowing their bodies to experience other forms of pleasure. And so there's this like really interesting dynamic of like, we are meant to experience pleasure. I feel bad that I'm letting food be the source of pleasure. I'm also not letting myself feel other pleasure. And so there's this beautiful opportunity through embodiment to begin to open pleasure pathways and allow oneself to experience deeper and deeper levels of pleasure so that you don't need food to be the only source. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I personally can relate to everything you just shared. I know that, you know, part of my story, but I've also been on a very long journey with healing my relationship to food and to my body and can, can resonate with all of that. And coming back to the piece around, you know, really tuning into your feelings and instead of feeding them is feeling them. And we can really use embodiment practices and somatic healing processes to connect with the emotions, to process them and to move through them. I like to use the word alchemize them is really powerful, right? Instead of getting stuck in them, it's like, let's feel them, let's move the energy and then let's open up space for what we actually, how we actually want to feel right. Coming back into alignment faster. So yeah, there's definitely that somatic piece and that somatic release of the emotions, which I know that, you know, even me personally working with you as a client using EFT, using tapping, that's a beautiful way to move the energy through the body, right. Move the emotion and release the emotion. I'm thinking back to like specific sessions that we did. I think we worked together a couple years ago, right. Maybe three or four. Yeah, this I don't even like know. Maybe Long the time. start of the pandemic. Yeah. Time yeah, is a very a breakup. And you were supporting me like behind the scenes, like energy work in my business. And mm-hmm. I just remember like so many sessions, just like so much release happening and and you know, moving that energy. So yeah, I love that piece that you're sharing about. And then the other piece around pleasure. And when I talk about embodiment and pleasure, I want to emphasize that I see it in two different, through two different lenses. And I think this is really important to separate because 
I have a feeling that a lot of women who experience body shame also have sexual shame or suppressed sexual trauma, right? That those can be linked often. Um, And so what I like to talk about is that when we are more connected to our body, when we feel more, we can experience pleasure that doesn't have to specifically be about sex. So we can experience sensual pleasure and sensuality is about our five senses. It's about really enjoying like the, the air, the warm air, the warm breeze on your skin or the beautiful scent of a candle or those, you know, really beautiful moments where you might be hugging a loved one and really enjoying that, that feeling of connection, right? These sensations of pleasure when we're checked out or numbed out or rushing from thing to thing, and we're not paying attention, we're not connected to our body. We're not going to actually experience these, these pleasure hits that we can get throughout our everyday life. Right. And including from food, if we're rushing through food or making ourselves wrong while we're eating food, we can't actually taste it and enjoy it while we're eating it. Right. So there's non-sensual, non-sexual pleasure, which is sensuality that we work on. And then there is sexual pleasure is reconnecting with this suppression of your feminine nature. Like this, this connection to your Shakti energy, your sexual energy is so healing. And it also is part of our feminine power is to reclaim that and to heal our relationship with our sexuality and experience more pleasure with ourselves or with a partner. Um, so I love talking about pleasure in those two contexts because it, it, it's, we can separate them and they're both important. Yeah. And I love and appreciate that distinction and the sensuality piece is so applicable for eating. You know, mm-hmm. it's about being present and fully immersing yourself in an experience as it's unfolding in the now with as much like delight and joy and pleasure as you possibly can. And like, that's what we're ultimately here to live for, right? Are Mm -hmm. these like peak experiences where we're just immersed in pleasure. And yet it's so easy to just be caught up in the go, 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 do, do, do mindlessness of life that we're so disconnected from these mini moments and opportunities to have those sensually, like sometimes orgasmic experiences. I was going to say like, (laughs) how about like a mouthgasm? Like, have you guys ever had like a taste of maybe even like, I'm just thinking about being in Bali or Costa Rica or in Mexico and having a bite of like some type of like really fresh fruit, like a mango, and you're just like eating it. And it's just so good. And like, you can't almost help, but like make a sound because it's like, oh, this is so good. And like your mouth, the flavors and the textures and all of that is just like, I mean, I'm salivating right now, just Me thinking too. about it. And it's like, can you allow yourself to experience that pleasure? Can you give yourself permission to experience that pleasure? Right. Um, sometimes we have these blocks around our expression or around allowing ourselves to receive pleasure in all forms. Yeah. And if you can't, or you have a hard time allowing yourself to experience that or to even practice or experiment, I wonder how much pleasure I can allow myself to experience with this bite or in this moment, right? If you have resistance to that, it's something definitely worth pondering about why, at least with the food side of things, what I've seen is that women have such strong beliefs around what is a good food, bad food, mm-hmm. that to give themselves permission to enjoy a food they've told themselves is bad feels sinful, for lack of a better term, that they're doing something wrong. And so mm-hmm. there's actually this internal conflict, which simultaneously does show up in, in sex and sexuality, because there's this desire for sexual intimacy, but depending on the conditioning and programming of specific religions or just, you know, how you were raised, there can also be that part that thinks this is bad or wrong. And so there's this internal conflict around, is it okay to experience pleasure? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that resonates so deep with my experience growing up around sexual pleasure. It's like this thing that I wanted and this thing that I wanted to explore and was exploring, but then felt this shame and this fear of judgment and this feeling like I'm doing something wrong 
at the same time. And so I, I resonate really deeply with that, that duality and that inner conflict of desire and natural desire. Like it's normal to desire pleasure, but we've been taught and we've been conditioned to say that, tell, to think that it's wrong or bad and that sex is just for procreation, right? Or in our, in our, I guess, in our societal context, it's like for a man's pleasure, but it's not for a woman's pleasure. Yeah. And it's neat to see a lot of this reclamation going on of women really reclaiming their right to be sensual and sexual beings and to really reconnect to that just pure pleasure state, but also the the power that emerges from that because we do create life or have the potential to i mean there's so much untapped power in our our sacral chakra and in our sexual Mm -hmm. energy that i believe one of the reasons women tend to binge and or purge this was for me is because it's a, a unconscious mechanism to suppress a lot of that big power that it's like, I don't know what to do with this. So I'm going to try and like repress it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with that reclamation of power, what I, what I see in the context of when, when women allow themselves to experience more pleasure and reclaim their power and their sexuality, it translates into other areas of their life. So a woman who is empowered in her sexuality is going to be more likely to speak her truth, to set boundaries, to, um, yeah, to be clear in her yes and clear in her no, right. She's going to be much more embodied within herself outside of the bedroom as well. And so I really love to draw that parallel because we're not just talking about how is this going to benefit you, you know, in your sex life, but this is how does this translate into all areas of your life? And what we were talking about earlier is like, if this area of your life is more satisfied, whether it's connecting to your sensuality and experiencing more pleasurable moments throughout the day or sexually satisfied, we're far less likely to look to food or to social media or to any other numbing mechanism to fill that gap, right? To fill that void. That Absolutely. Was there right. And it's valuable to look at what is the function of this behavior. So if the function of eating is to fill a void, you know, you get to look at what are other ways that I can actually get that fulfillment and satisfaction. And if the function of the food is to help me feed feelings of shame, for example, you pointed to like shame around sex and sexuality, which I see commonly in women with disordered eating tendencies, like Mm. usually that's going to be present because A, it doesn't feel safe to be in someone's body if they've experienced any form of sexual trauma or what I call body boundary violations. B, there's usually unprocessed content and material there from those experiences in their body and see that results in a lot of shame and so if we are up in our head and disconnected from the body then all this discomfort is still present all of this unprocessed shame and the impact of those experiences is still alive in the body and their brain is just going into a desperate attempt to try and make this feeling go away and so if you understand oh i'm not necessarily eating for pleasure but i'm eating to try and deal with the pain that's here then that gives you a new opportunity to use embodiment as a way to process the pain Mm -hmm. yeah yeah which is i think what we were talking about before is the importance of having the awareness i call it like the masculine way of masculine form of healing is oh i'm doing this because right i'm suppressing the shame i'm trying to fill a void So that's the cognitive, oh, I see what's happening here. And then the feminine is actually processing it and moving it and shifting it and healing it. Yes. So I love, I love that framework of of using both of these, which are both so important for like holistic healing. Exactly. Like, and for anyone who's kind of new to these concepts of masculine and feminine, this isn't just masculine is male body and feminine is female body within all human bodies we have feminine and masculine energies and that 
has different qualities that it exhibits. And so, you know, we're wanting to kind of work towards a little bit of harmony or balance, you know, the yin and yang of both exists within us. Is there an imbalance? Am I leaning too heavily in my masculine energy? Am I leaning too much in the feminine and I need more structure? So for people who are brand new, they're like, I don't understand. Can we, can you maybe just clearly explain this, these are some of the qualities of the masculine energy within oneself. And this is how the feminine operates within oneself so that it's crystal clear. Because I know for me, I heard a lot of that jargon a long time ago, but I didn't understand like what it actually meant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. I like live and breathe this stuff and I forget <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm on your podcast. So my, right. my, my podcast <laughs> listeners are like, I, I know. We know all is, about but... the feminine frequency and mine are like, yeah. what? <laughs> which is great. Which is great. I'm super happy, happy to break it down. And I think it, it's important. So yeah, like you said, we can use different terms at, in the beginning. It can be like, oh, my brain associates masculine with male feminine with female. So it can be confusing. So other terms, like you said, is yang, which could be, which is masculine or yin, which is feminine. We can use in like Indian culture, it's Shiva and Shakti. Uh, it can also be, there's, a um, um, alpha and omega is another one that can be really supportive. So for the context of today, we will use masculine and feminine and masculine is more direction oriented. It's more structured. It is more organized. It's more focused and it is more another word that I could use is like penetrative pushing it's action oriented linear feminine is intuitive it's feeling based, it's nourishment, it's flow, it's ease. Mm. And it is cyclical. That's another one that I really love to highlight with the feminine is that it, it's cyclical in nature. So we all have both of these energies within us. And depending on our true nature, not our conditioning, we will lie kind of more towards maybe being more masculine or being more feminine in our nature. And we have a lot of conditioning that blocks us from creating a balance. So we live in a very masculine oriented world, even looking at nutrition and fitness, the way that I originally learned it when I was back in the day learning as a nutritionist, it was like very calc. So let's use it as an example yeah, with, with food. I think that would be really helpful. So Masculine way of looking at food is looking at metrics, looking at calories, looking at macronutrients, measuring, counting. That's more of the masculine way. The feminine way is listening to your body, is tasting the food, is focusing on nourishment, focusing on how does this food make me feel after I eat it. And that's, that's how I like to describe the difference between those two. And same with exercise, you can have a very linear exercise, very masculine oriented exercise. That's very cardio based, high intensity interval training, weightlifting. Those are examples of masculine based exercise. And then feminine based would be maybe walking or Pilates or yoga or dance. And it's not that one of them is better than the other, or one is right. And one is wrong. It's about learning what your body needs and when it needs it and not getting locked into these structures. Of, I have to, or I should be doing this intense exercise, or I need to be in flow all of the time. And I shouldn't do any hard exercise. Like what we're really wanting to come to is kind of this, this intuitive place of oh, I have a lot of energy today. I feel really good. I feel strong today. Okay. I'm going to push myself a little bit. I'm going to go to a workout class or do a workout that is a little bit more intense. And then on other days or at different times in your menstrual cycle, you may have less energy or your body might not be feeling up for it. And you decide to go for a walk or you do a, a, a more like a bar class or a Pilates class. And what I found in this and what I found with my own clients is that it seems counterintuitive because you're like, oh, if I'm not working out hard all the time, then I'm not going to get the results. 
But if you have a more sustainable approach where you have both the masculine and feminine, and you're really listening to your body, you're going to have less injuries. You're going to get sick less often, and your body is going to respond a lot better. I find that when we're listening to the body and honoring the body, it responds way more effectively because it's not in that high stressed out, high cortisol state where you're going to hold on to fat because your body's stressed out, even though you're working out like all of the time. Right. We think working out more is better mm -hmm. and I need to be working out harder and longer to lose weight. And the reality is too much exercise can be overly taxing to the body and maintain high cortisol levels that keep somebody in a stress response, which has, you know, multiple ways that it's going to impact you mentally and physically and emotionally, but it's actually counterproductive to the weight loss goal if that is someone's goal. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. It's really hard for people to recognize that how we've been conditioned to believe we have to operate in order to be healthy isn't always what's right and best for our unique body and being in that moment in time. Yeah. And this is a hard one to deprogram or to unlearn. This is very deeply ingrained in diet culture. It's very deeply ingrained in, in the way that we relate to food. And it, it takes time to trust this new way. And it's, it's, it's a new, it, you have to actually unlearn and relearn. And what I found with my clients, they're actually get really surprised. They're like, Oh my God, my body actually feels so much better. And I feel less inflamed. And I, my body looks the best it's ever looked. And I'm not doing the thing that I've been told my whole life I was supposed to do in order to lose weight. Like what? And that was my experience. I was a, a high intensity athlete. I was a runner. I played soccer. I played lacrosse. I loved working out. Like I really enjoyed working out. And then I hit burnout at the age of 23 for several different reasons, but exercise was part of it. And then I was like, shit, I can only go for walks. Like that doesn't make sense. Like, how am I going to lose weight? How, how is that going to work? And my naturopathic doctor was like, you can't keep doing what you're doing. It's not actually working for you. And at that time I was so frustrated because I was like, I'm doing all these workouts, but I'm like, feel like I'm gaining weight. I'm not losing fat and I'm exhausted all of the time. And so that was a breaking point for me where I was like, shoot. And so I kind of swung to the other direction where I literally for a few months only walked as my form of exercise. And I was like, all right, we got, we got to find a middle ground here. And, and I did, and it was, it was a journey to figure out what worked for me. And, and it's an ongoing journey of listening, like deep, deep listening to the body. Yeah. And that's so important because how your body is today and the way your body needs to be cared for today is not necessarily going to be how it needs to be cared for for the rest of your life, right? We are changing, evolving beings. And there's so many factors that impact how our physical bodies feel in any moment, including your environment, what kind of food are you taking in, right? Are you exposed to pathogens? You know, there's just stress levels. There's so many factors that affect what our body needs in any moment. And so the more that we actually are embodied in our body and to your point, asking and listening, because the body has such intelligence. It is way wiser than our little human brain that thinks it, it can like control everything and figure, <laughs> figure out the perfect exercise plan and the perfect eating plan. It's like the wisdom of our body that somehow knows how to grow our hair and nails and digest our food and heal wounds. It, like it probably is worth listening to. <laughs> it might know a thing or two that we don't actually know. And so when you start to like recognize with reverence, oh my gosh, this body is pretty miraculous and intelligent. Maybe I should, you know, get to know her a little better. Maybe I should work with her instead of fighting against her, which is what we so often do, especially in our culture, when we are conditioned. You know, the example you personally gave around exercise, I can relate to so well as well, which is like the more is more. And also, here's the perfect eating regimen that I have to follow. 
And it totally wasn't what my body needed. You know, I went on a vegan diet for a few years because I thought that's what I needed. I was so protein deficient. I was falling apart, you know. Mm -hmm. And so if I had stopped to listen to my body, she was telling me to go get something that I was missing. But I kept overriding that impulse, overriding the impulse. And then that would lead me to binge because like my body reached a point where it was desperate to get food in that I was Mm -hmm. denying myself. Yeah. And so this is the return. To, this is why I think the feminine embodiment piece is so important because most of us are too structured in the masculine, at least when it comes to eating in our body. And we don't trust ourselves to listen to her. It's like we are disconnected from our intuition. And so that's the unlearning, relearning you were pointing to. Like we have to relearn how to turn on our intuition, to listen to our body, to trust the messages it gives us. And that takes time. Mm-hmm. It took me a few years. And, and I think this piece around listening to the cues of your body, I'd love to go a little bit deeper into it. Like, what do we mean by that? And it's like, we're so quick to ignore our fatigue. Like when we're tired, a lot of times we'll just drink caffeine or we'll just push through it. And we're not listening to our body or there's times where we're hungry. And I freaking hate this diet. Like rule or recommendation. Oh, maybe you're just thirsty. Maybe you're not hungry. And I'm like, yeah, also maybe you might be hungry. Like it could be thirsty, but like, if your body's telling you you're hungry, you're probably hungry. Right. (laughs) Um, so things like that, we have all these diet rules that have us go against our own intuition where it's like, Oh, don't eat past this time. Make sure you wait this long in between meals, only eat this amount. And it's like, Yes, having nutrition guidelines is supportive. Like, I think that it's important to understand the basics of like eating whole, you know, unprocessed nutrient dense foods. But outside of that, there is a lot that gets to be unlearned and listening to the cues of your body. Am I tired? Am I hungry? Am I dizzy? Am I in pain, right? Do I feel inflamed? What's happening in my body? Do I have a stomach ache, right? I used to hold so much stress in my stomach. And I'll, you know, even my, my journey with caffeine and drinking coffee, like I knew for so long before I quit drinking coffee that it was not good for me. And I would fight myself on it because I was addicted to it. And I would be like, oh, I'm not giving it up. There's no way I could give this up. And so I would kind of punish myself where I like knew it wasn't good for me, but I would still do it. And then eventually when I did go off coffee, I was like, oh my God, this radically impacted my life. And my body had been telling me this for at least six months, if not longer, but I wasn't listening. And sometimes it takes that long and that's okay. But, but that's an example where I just knew for a long time. And I refused to listen. And when I did finally listen, my body was like, thank you so much. (laughs) Like, thank you for listening. And, And my brain was, and my blood sugar was better and my skin was better and my digestion was better. And it was just like this, yeah, my body's been speaking to me for a really long time. Right. And it, it, it's always gently whispering, you know, I talk to my clients about sort of the two voices and there's the voice of the old programming or habit that's like just have the coffee or or just do the thing and maybe that is an okay thing for you to do but then you know there's that other voice that's gently whispering like you don't actually want that or why don't you try something else or like how about you just rest right and it's it's an opportunity to pause before we make a choice and even just take a few breaths and tune into oh like what maybe opposing voices are arising and maybe what's the voice that's coming from from my mind or my ego or small self and what might be the voice of this more loving side you know coming from the body or from the heart and can you start to listen or act on the other voice and just experiment with what happens when you do honor that or act on it you know i think that can be a fun experiment for people because this isn't meant to be something that you feel like oh i failed at this or here's another reason to beat myself up because I'm not listening. But instead, just, ooh, I wonder what would happen if I started to listen to this voice. 
Mm, I love that distinction. And that's such a great example of an embodiment practice. What it means to be embodied is to be really present with what's here. And so that moment of pause, which is one of the feminine principles of slowing down, right? Like not rushing through everything, not being reactive to everything, like pausing. It's like a sacred pause that we get to take. And then you also mentioned breath where it's like, let me take a few breaths because if you want to be more embodied, the, the pathway to that is connecting with your breath. And we learn this through yoga where we use the breath to create a mind body connection without the breath. When we're not being mindful of the breath, we're often in our mind and we're disconnected from the body. So we can use the breath as a tool by slowing down our breath, feeling the sensations as it gets into your body and as it releases from your body as a way to tune in what's happening in my body right now. Like I've been running around all day. I've been chaotic. I don't even know what's happening in my body right now. Okay. If you're at the beginning of this practice, that's what it's going to feel like a lot of the time. And I still have days where I have to consciously stop myself and do a check-in, but for the most part. I'm connected to, oh, what is my body telling me right now? Right. Yeah. And deeply listening to that. But at, at the beginning, it's like, okay, like, let me take even three breaths and that will help you to connect to your body more. Yes. And like you said, at the beginning, it's an embodiment practice. And there's a reason it's a practice, just like yoga is a practice and meditation is a practice because these are sort of muscles and ways of being that we start to train ourselves to experience and then sort of exist in more and more naturally over time. It's like the mini doses and repetitions. And for me personally, I've been doing meditation for 10 years and I still get caught up in my thinking mind all the time. You know, it's like, oh, and then a a return to the practice. Oh, a return to the breath. Oh, I'm lost in thought. Let me bring myself back to this moment. And so these really are practices that become lifestyles and ways of living, Mm -hmm. not just something that I'm going to try and do for three months or six months and then drop it and expect to be quote unquote healed. No, this is like a way of being. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which is kind of like a diet or an exercise plan, you know, where you get really excited at the beginning. You're like, I'm committed to this for 60 days. And I do think that having some structure and some framework, which again is bringing in the masculine of, okay, I'm going to commit to an embodiment practice for 30 days as a way to commit to it and practice it, but not as this, like, I'm going to do this thing for 30 days. And then it goes by the wayside. Exactly. It's, it's like a container to sort of get going Mm -hmm. to, build the momentum to start to build and master, you know, the practices, but the intention is that this is the beginning, not the end, you know, when you kind of embark on those sorts of experiences. Mm -hmm. I also really appreciate the pointing to slowing down because I think that is so hard in our modern world. And there's a lot of shame and judgment around slowing down that I'm procrastinating, that this is lazy, that I should be doing something. I can't tell you how many women I have to give them the integration activity to do nothing. Mm -hmm. Like I need you to find an hour in your schedule where you're not going to plan anything. And I literally want you to do absolutely nothing but rest in whatever form that takes, whether it's sitting with a cup of tea or just laying on your bed, listening to relaxing music and lighting a candle or incense, you're going to practice the art of feminine slow, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Of just like yeah. being, and it's so hard because, and this was me too, do, 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 go, go, go. I used to have every hour of my day in my calendar on Google Calendar scheduled with something. From the moment I woke up, I would have what I'm doing from seven to eight, and I had my entire day mapped out, which would be very masculine structured. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, oh my gosh, if I don't have something scheduled for Saturday afternoon, I'd have panic and I'd be like, I need to fill my space. I need to fill my time. I need to make sure I've got something that I'm doing there. And I started to learn how to create space in my schedule to leave room for flow and slow. Mm -hmm. And now I love it. Now I'm like, oh, 
I've got too much going on in my schedule. Like I need to remove some items so I can have more downtime and time to just be. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, like what sort of your take is on the the go versus slow and, and what you see in most. Yeah, I mean, the mantra that comes through for this is slow is sexy. It's a new way. Like we have to em- embrace it and start to create a new story around slowing down. And the other piece is, which ties directly into this is rest is productive because we've been taught that if you're not doing, then you're falling behind, you're failing everything you shared, you're lazy, right? And so when we don't give ourselves enough rest, then we're doing everything at 50% capacity. You're still doing the things, but you're not able to be focused. You're not, you're not excited about it. You feel resistant to what you're doing. You're going to the coffee machine multiple times a day because you're like, I am so drained and I'm not enjoying what I'm doing and things take longer and you're not as efficient. Like this is just truth. Like right. this is what happens over time. And when we start to see rest as productive, especially as feminine beings, if you look at the female hormone system, like I could go on for this. We're just going to do a really brief overview of this, but like we have a very different hormonal system than men do. That is just on a biological level. I'm not saying that men can be, you know, more successful than women because of this. Not at all. I think we can achieve success in a different way that works for us. And so women experience a lot more burnout and adrenal fatigue, a lot faster, a lot more thyroid issues, fertility issues than men do because of this, because we're trying to operate in this hyper masculine way and be like men to be successful and to fit into this masculine paradigm that we live in. And we're not honoring our bodies and our need for rest. So on the other hand, when you do listen to your body and you give yourself rest, I know for me, I'm so much more inspired. I'm so much more creative. I'm way more energized. I'm happier. And I am more fulfilled by what I'm doing. And I get shit done way faster. Like the amount of work that I get done in a two hour block, because I have spaciousness in my calendar and I take really good care of myself is so much more than if I stacked myself back to back and forced myself to work a 12 hour work day or a nine hour work day, you know? So that's my perspective. I feel like there was, Oh, the other piece is spaciousness. You mentioned that word. And I think it's so important. That is the feminine. It's like the, the, ah, it's like the exhale in life, right? Instead of, instead of holding on to your breath and being in that go, go, go mode. It's like, ah, right. And, and it's about enjoying your life versus being a robot and a machine and, and being in that hustle mode all the time, which we know isn't serving us. Not at all. I actually Mm -hmm. recently had a really valuable experience. I was at a healing circle and I was participating. And my intention was that I was wanting to cultivate just more feminine power within myself because I was noticing a tendency to sometimes be more in this masculine structured way of being. And I had this sort of idea of how this was going to look. And I kind of had this expectation of like, by the end of the night, I'm going to be shaking my hips and I'm going to be a wild woman howling at the moon, you know, like the sensual, sexual goddess, which can be an aspect of feminine embodiment. But my experience actually revealed I was so relaxed and I was just present and I was just listening to people and I was giving really big hugs and I was just so soft and gentle with like out of care in the world. And I was like, oh, this is also what the feminine is. Mm -hmm. And I was, I think, trying to make myself be more of the really sensual, like fiery female. And she, wild woman has a place, she gets to emerge. But I was overlooking the power of the spacious and the soft and to actually like realize that that was a necessary part of 
just the humanness that we, you know, as we're trying to master being mm -hmm. humans that I was overlooking. Mm -hmm. I love that story and that example, because there are so many different feminine archetypes and feminine ways of being and feminine expressions. And I think it can be very intimidating and daunting for a lot of people to think, oh, if I want to learn about embodiment, then that means that I have to dance all crazy and sexy and I need to be expressing myself in this way. And I believe that every woman has that in her. I believe that's possible for every woman. That's part of my, my, my activation that I love to offer women and be soft and sensitive and then also the powerful and fierce, all of that is the feminine. It's all of it. Right. You get to be it all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's space for all parts of you. And that's really exciting because we, we so often like reject or disown these parts of ourselves or these qualities or just mm -hmm. natural desires. And so the reclamation, right. Of, of the reclamation of, and the permission to allow the pleasure and, and the slow and the busy and the rest. It's like, oh, doesn't that feel so nice to like not have to do it one way or perfectly, but to start to like just come in tune to myself and, and let this body and wisdom guide me throughout the day. Mm -hmm. mm, yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so you are hosting an event coming up where people can actually like experience this, right? Yeah, we Can are going to be doing about a lot of embodiment work. Yes. So um, first, I just want to share, I've absolutely loved every part of this conversation. I like got lost in it and I was like, what time is it? Where am I? Like, I want to talk about this Same. for every I, day, all In my day. brain had like, you know, for everything you'd say, I'd be like, I would like to address each one of these, which would take a full 20 minutes. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, pick, 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 we're going to focus on, but man, I like yeah. There's so, so much. much here. Yeah. Yeah. I I know that our energy also will carry. So who went as you're listening, something I want you to check in with is like, how do I feel right now after listening to this conversation? Like, how does my body feel? How does my energy feel? Like check in with yourself and notice, just pay attention to what has shifted for you in this conversation. Yeah. And I love that direction because ultimately this is about empowering women to go within and listen, right? This is a perfect opportunity to practice the ask mm -hmm. and the listen and not do what we say you need to do, but honor what you're feeling called to do, mm -hmm. inspired to do, desire to do. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, the, the Emerge experience is a two-day live event. And like you were sharing earlier, you know, I love podcasts. I love valuable social media posts, but there's nothing like being in a workshop, being in a space where you're going through the processes and the practices in real time and discovering what's there for you. And so reading about something and hearing something is very different to experiencing it. Right. And that's where I find in my own journey where the deeper shifts happen. So I love creating spaces like this for women to be in self-exploration and the emerge experience is specifically focused on emerging as your most confident and authentic self. So releasing self-doubt, releasing a lot of the limitations that you have on yourself and reconnecting with the truth of who you are. And we do that through mindset work. So the first day is going to be all focused on mindset, looking at subconscious beliefs, reprogramming your beliefs. Sarah's going to come in and do a tapping session, which is going to be about transforming your beliefs and really connecting to your higher self and the vision that you have for your life. And the second day is going to be embodiment. So it's going to be taking what we learned on day one, and we're going to be moving that into an embodiment session that I'm going to guide, which is a movement session, connecting with your senses, connecting with your power, connecting with your playfulness and, and really connecting to all the essence of your feminine power. And then also embodying through, we're going to have breath work and just lots of experiential opportunities and really amazing guest speakers and teachers too. So for me being surrounded, the, the fastest way to change and to up level is to surround yourself with women and with other people who have the beliefs that you want to have 
And that shows you what's possible. And it really catapults you into a new level of growth. So that's the Emerge experience. It's coming up on November 12th and 13th. So if you listen to this before then, I would absolutely love for you to join. It's a virtual event um, and everything's recorded. So if you can't make every single session, even though I would love for you to be there the whole time, then you'll get the recordings. And um, will we link the the info in the show notes? Yeah, today? I'll include okay. the registration info or the link to the event details. So for anyone who's curious and wants to join us, I would also love to have you there because if you are curious about tapping or wanting to also get sort of a taste of of that work in addition to the embodiment um, Mm -hmm. processes and practices we've been talking about today, this is pretty much the perfect opportunity to taste it all and experience Mm -hmm. it all and play with these new practices and notice for yourself. I love that you said the self-exploration, like you get to explore what it's like and what emerges as a result Mm -hmm. of, of playing with these practices with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I see this work as really cultivating deep inner confidence, which is so supportive for body image. It's supportive for your career and your relationships. It really applies to literally anything you want to manifest in your life. For me and my journey, it's been about that inner confidence. So I'm excited to offer this and to see some of you in person or online, but in this event. And you can also send me a message on Instagram if you have any questions about the event. So you can find me at Amy Natalie Co. and send me a direct message. I will respond to you personally and would love to connect with you over there. Yes. Ah, so good. I hope to see many of you there joining us in a few weekends. And thank you, Amy. This was really so informative, especially for people who are kind of new to the world of embodiment and feminine and masculine. It was a great overview of all of these principles and how they apply to both eating and exercise. Really helpful. Mm, Thank you for having me. My pleasure. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to follow the show so you don't miss future episodes. And if you loved it, then please share this episode on your social media or send it to loved ones who may benefit from listening too. 